0: Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hello. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Dude,
1: I'm Delicious. doing good because we got food again. We got more
0: Michael uh, Laidlaw food. Let's start by introducing our, uh, sponsor. Our, our sponsor who has brought us more food because he knows what we lack. Like. Yes. Michael Laidlaw, who, uh, if you've been tuning in, for the past few weeks, has brought us nice vegan dishes. Yes. And we had some vegan mac and cheese a few weeks mac ago. Mac yeah. and V. Mac and, and V. Uh, so we made a comment about wanting something baked, and his uh, lovely wife Tammy has uh, baked us some vegan I brownies. forgot we
1: said that, but I'm glad we did. We did, did say no, that. Yeah, because I remember did. him saying, well, Tammy's the baker. Tammy yeah. is the
0: baker, and she has baked us some vegan brownies so I have not tasted it yet, but it, I haven't li- it looks so delicious i'm about that's to taste mine for the first too. time here we go so here we go well,
1: that's really good
2: that is really good wow. really moist
1: really moist. yeah you'd be shocked how moist this is and uh, a richness to it yeah you're right there's there. there's something
0: fruity in there like mm-hmm. uh they look like raisins but, but I think they're bigger raisins. than most uh-huh. raisins but that's awesome and and I, as I was sitting here waiting to start the podcast, I was just smelling the the chocolate oh, yeah, it's a, smell it's it. a heavy chocolate uh-huh. flavor, which I love uh-huh. I do too, so yeah and this uh good.
1: like a not a not a real dark chocolate, but a dark chocolate taste, yeah. darker, darker okay. yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: wow i'll okay. just tell,
2: I'll tell you this much if you've not had the chance to have any of Michael's food or you've not had the chance to cook anything he cooks, it'll change your mind. I was telling them earlier ever since we've been eating more. My wife and I are eating more vegetarian meals i don 't know if I can go full vegan yet on anything, but we 're eating more meatless meals yeah. and uh because the it's it 's good stuff so if you haven't if you haven 't i've been i 'm doing a lot from his just from his facebook page, but mm-hmm. Michael also does uh zoom classes mm-hmm. in fact, we were just talking he might do a, a zoom class for uh, our for online the community. community,
1: community. Yeah.
2: yeah for our online community and uh Help help us in that way. So anyway, we're very thankful for Michael bringing this stuff. It's it's awesome. And the almond milk, it, it, that's mm-hmm. just that's just a nice little uh, addition there. Well. I
1: told him I've been drinking almond milk because of the you know less sugar and all that fat yeah. and all that stuff. I like it. How this is you? great.
0: So just to repeat, if you're interested in this stuff, Michael's page. You just search "good food, good fuel" on Facebook, yeah. and you'll find. Recipes, classes. Oh, yeah, he's got all, all kinds of, of stuff, stuff going on, so, and some and jokes. When you him, he's got
2: jokes on there too. You he's got should. jokes? I'm not. I will tell you this much. I love you, Michael. I'm not recommending the jokes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't quit your day job.
2: But the uh, the uh, the food and the recipes have been very helpful for anyone who's just who who is interested in trying to figure out just cutting a little meat out or. Mm. Of your of your of your diet, uh, it's it's very interesting.
1: You should mention that the Community Christian Nameless Podcast, yeah, yeah, has has sent you, and and if you do that, you'll get exactly the same thing as if you had just, just like everybody, <laughs> as, if you, as if you hadn't mentioned us. There is yeah. no advantage for <laughs> there you to be no watching this. There's no advantage, but you should mention us. Okay, <laughs> that's darn good right there. <laughs> mm-hmm So. Wow. I was gonna say I'm gonna eat all of mine, so y'all, y'all yeah, do normally you normally I to don't
2: do. eat all of it because I'm podcasting.
0: It. I can't stop. I so. want all of it. Yeah. and
1: and I uh, also I love the mac and v. It was really good, but I didn't eat all of it. Yet. I'm eating every bit of this. Yes, sir. Thank you, Tammy. Yes. I have
2: two big Tupperwares at my house now because I did make the mac and v's for my Thanksgiving, and uh, and we made it. We had a friendsgiving thing as well with a church group here. And I made it for that. So I have two giant containers. Is that what of, you're
1: forced to call Thanksgiving when you have friends? That's it, well, what guess people if you call have friends, I don't know why. I don't know why. But that's what they that's call what it. That's what we called it. As a person that doesn't have friends. Oh, gotcha. If you <laughs> had friends, you could call it you Friendsgiving. giving. Friendsgiving. Friendsgiving. Um, well, why
0: don't we substitute the thanks with the friends? Because I'm a thankful person things. and
1: y'all have friends.
0: I yeah. guess. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Um, Go ahead, Nick.
2: Anyway, but I'm munching on that thing all the time. It's great. Keeps well. It's just it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I can't speak highly enough of the of the I,
0: I have finished mine. It was delicious. Well, and, and I have to say this. Um they didn't Michael and Tammy did not know this, but uh, today's my birthday. Oh, happy birthday, happy Jason. birthday and, uh, Jason. And this is my birthday cake. Oh, birthday. That I'm calling this mine because this is amazing. It's good. But I, I got to ask you, are you have
2: do you have a favorite birthday dessert? Like do you do a cake for your birthday? Well, I know me?
0: you're the cook at your house. Exactly. So, I have no idea what my family has <laughs> planned, <laughs> if anything. Oh, okay. My daughter, I don't know if she was thinking about this the other day, but she was like, hey, Dad, we're going to take you out for your birthday. I said, oh, that's, that's great. I appreciate that. Abby? No, my, my youngest, Abel. Okay. And as we're driving... That, uh, Abby, she, you should have also invited to take him out. No. You, like Abby. We were just talking about it. And as <laughs> we're talking about it, uh, she said, hey, Dad, when we get home, you think you can make us those cookies you got? And I'm like, <laughs> you're asking me to make cookies for you on my birthday. I'm <laughs> yep. like, what is wrong with this picture? And she just looked at me like, what's wrong? I don't see anything don't wrong see with anything this picture. I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm so, getting cookies. So I may be making cookies tonight after dinner. That's the life of a dad. It is. Certain uh, kind of okay. cookie? Like what? Uh, I I do a homemade uh, chocolate chip, mm. and uh, she loves it. And I have, like, extra dough that I've saved in the refrigerator. That's mm. what she wants. There. She's like, Dad, I just want you to cook those cookies. So anyway, gotcha. I may be doing that. So uh yeah. So uh while, while I finish my uh last little bit. Um tell us how your Thanksgiving was. It was week. excellent. Yeah, Everybody we had, had a really Thanksgiving? good. Yeah, mine was really good. And now what really I really good. want to know is uh last week we mentioned that we were all having plans to do our Thanksgiving. Uh, oh uh, have, yes. Have you done that yet? Has has it yes, gone? I have. All right, tell all right. us about
1: it. Uh Becky did hers. I think she had done hers already by the time we did the podcast yeah, last you week. I it. I did mine. Uh, as well, and uh, I think one of the people I did it with was a little uh, taken back, hmm. you know, yeah. oh, not in a bad way. I don't mean that in a bad way. Surprised. Yeah, d- and didn't know really how what to say because sure. you know, as a dude. Yep. <laughs> the yeah. other one, the other one was uh, really, really well received and a good experience.
2: Wow, that's awesome.
0: I'm I think you're, I think that's true of a lot of people when when you get an unexpected gift that Uh you you didn't feel like you earned or whatever. That's right. It often puts you in a weird position.
2: I've heard from a couple people that they've had to talk with other people about, um, you don't have to give me anything back. In fact, I don't want you to give me anything back. Please don't give me anything back. Like, this wasn't – this isn't a gift exchange. I just wanted to do this for you, and I think – you know I think that's a cool experience. We had a good experience. We did it for our neighbor who um we have our neighbors are relatively new um new neighbors for us. They've been there maybe three or four months and they've just been awesome They've been a blessing to us and um it was just one of those cool stories they just told us you know it kind of came at just the right time for them mm. and it was mm-hmm. really meaningful but I saw on our Thanks gifting website if you haven't been there that uh, someone you did a Thanksgiving, they actually went on and posted how much the yeah, gift meant. So I, that I, think, was that's, awesome. I think that's a yep. great thing
0: as well. It was, it was a really cool moment. It's the person that we've just become special to our family this past year. And um, it was just cool because we, and, and then when we brought out this whole thing, the Thanksgiving thing, we had said, make sure to have a conversation. And I'll just say that was the most important part. Yes. Of the the experience that we had. We were just standing in this person's driveway and having a conversation and I was I got a chance to explain to her, Hey, look, I'm not we're not giving this to you because you need it. We know you 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 don't need our, our, our gift, but we're thankful for you. And and then I thought as we were leaving, how often we talked about this last week, you know, we express gratitude. How often do you actually look a person in the eye and just say, I'm thankful for you. Yep. Not what you did yep. or, or anything that you've, you've, any role you've played in my life. I just, I'm thankful for you as a person, who you are. and that, We just don't have those kinds of conversations very often. And it was uh, honestly a little bit awkward at first because That's we right. don't do it very often. But once it was expressed, I, we walked away and the whole family were just like, man, that was awesome. That might be the best part of our Thanksgiving.
2: Well and I think it is the combination of the two of the of the gift and the and the the conversation that really means something that 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 solidifies it for people. I've talked about this book now a lot, and I'm finally reading it, The okay. Patient Ferment of the Early Church. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great book. I'm very, very. It's very scholarly, I'll say that. I did not know that going into it, but it's, it's, mm. it's a, basically a textbook. Okay. Uh, ah. But it's very interesting, and one of the key points that uh, the author is making is that when you look at the first five centuries of the church, um, when they write to each other, so outside of just the biblical, you know, the apostles writing to the early church, these other church fathers writing, they don't almost ever write about what you tell anybody about your faith. That they thought you're never going to have a chance to talk to anyone about your faith. That the primary way you're going to witness your faith is embodied to other people. Mm. That, and that goes even to the thing of, you know, uh, preach the gospel at all times and when, when necessary use words that they really didn't believe that it was going to be changing anyone's beliefs, that they would look at the way you live so radically different and that that's what eventually led to the growth of the church. And so I think in in our context of our culture, um, it is become so common for Christians to really talk about, what are your beliefs and where mm-hmm. do you do And I hear even among this among Christians go, well, I know they believe in God. And so when we talk about things of, you know, hey, find someone that needs to hear the message of Jesus. And many of us think, well, everyone I know knows Jesus died on right. the cross. And they think, but when you come over and go, hey, you meant something. And motivated by what Jesus has done for me, mm-hmm. motivated by my church asking me to do that, we're doing this it does stick in somebody's brain in a different way because you've now embodied the message that you say
0: you believe. Well, and that's the, that's the thing we hear most often in our culture today is we've got a lot of people who are quote-unquote believers, right. and it's made no real difference in Correct. their life. And this actually, an act like this, says, no, I not only believe something, but that belief has changed me, and it is changing who I am, and it's making me into a different kind of person.
1: Yeah. So uh, that's really a different kind of thing. I think our Western world has—I mean, it's so different than the first century, where their world was shaped by their beliefs. But Christianity has had such an impact on the Western civilization that people don't really realize how much impact it's had. Sure. So their Christian values embedded in people who've never been to a church or thought about a church. It's just they think it's just the way everybody believes. Yeah.
2: Well, and in particular in this book, what's interesting to me is his his point is the chief Christian value was not love for them, it was patience. Hmm. That patience was not an idea, the idea that I would not personally force my way in life, that I would just allow things to happen around me, and I would just continue to act the way I know Jesus would have me to act that that patience was not anything anyone aspired to because the only people who had to have patience were slaves and lower classes because they were the ones that had no authority over their own lives and the idea, so no one in any level hmm. of status and so when you're talking about this well patience is a thing even if even if you're listening to this and you wouldn't call yourself a believer all of us want to be more patient sure. and more kind those are by, and it's hard for us to believe this there was a civilization and it was all civilization at one point that patience kindness they were weakness not considered anything that anyone should have yeah
1: being generous generous to somebody was considered a weakness yes. yes that that was that was considered something that you wouldn't do i mean it just you shouldn't you shouldn't tolerate anything out of anybody else you shouldn't help somebody that was weak you shouldn't do any of those things
2: Well, and even to the point that you were just talking about, even the conversation of saying to someone, I'm grateful for you, and we talked about this a little last week, it does put me almost, and it's this way it feels, it puts me in a lower position. It's me saying, you have been so great to me, and you have been such a blessing. That's uncomfortable. I think it's why many of us never say it. Mm -hmm. But when you come over to somebody, Mm -hmm. and you take on this position of humility and gentleness, it does exhibit Christ in a way that just by saying "I believe Jesus died and rose again," it doesn't make it makes a different impact of those words that actually sticks with somebody.
1: Yeah. Mm. Even if they don't know it represents Christ, right. it represents something that is so. Um, it's just it just sticks out. They don't. Sometimes people don't know what to do with it, and at least they have to ponder it.
2: It's that Pond, it's,
1: pondering is a good thing to have happen. Yeah. It's that
2: thing we talked about last week of being peculiar that it That's sticks right. in their brain. They go, I don't have a category for right. that, mm. uh, and so I, I really hope if you haven't done the Thanksgiving uh, campaign yet, still you still time. have time. Yeah, oh, you don't yeah. have to. Yeah. don't even tie it to. <laughs> you don't have to tie it to Thanksgiving. Just no. say, I'm thankful for you. Here's something my church did. And you can tie uh, it to and
0: Christmas at this point, sure, absolutely. absolutely. And if you have if you have done something and you haven't yet shared the story, please share the story. Please. Thanksgifting.info is where the group is on Facebook. Make sure you join the group, and then post something because um, we're we're trying to create you know a little bit of a culture on that group of. of Yes. sharing these stories so that we can further the message. So,
1: And it is encouraging to read other people are doing. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. That you're not the only one.
0: The one that I read on there of the gentleman from our church who went to his neighbor Oh yeah. and served in Thanksgiving uh, dinner was currently is my favorite.
1: Well, I have one as well on there. I won't say as well, but because I know the person and I know the challenge of just talking about their faith it has always been for them. In fact, as a person that they dropped out of discipleship because they knew that was going. To, and they just said, "I can't do that." And mm. then they took this challenge and did it. I, I just that one has been the most to me just oh, to read cool. it and to know they did it yeah. and to well, say I want to do this more. And I think
2: that goes even to what we're talking about here. Of uh, my my hope for this for our church is that it begins opening our imaginations to what we mean when we say share the good news with somebody yeah. that that for so many they think sharing the good news means i got to come down i got to have an illustration and a sermon and i got to get really deeply personal about me and i got to have a whole i've got to think it all through and they better not have any questions hmm. but this allows me to go as you just said this is what it means to share the kingdom with somebody that when i share when I'm generous to you or I exhibit the gentleness and a life that doesn't make sense, that's that's planting a seed of the kingdom of God for somebody because they experience what it would have been like for Jesus to have been on the planet. Well,
1: I had the thought when you were talking about the fermented book that you're reading. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> fermented book. I'm also
2: reading a separate book about fermenting.
1: <laughs> that... Uh, when the guy talked about how patience, I think that that value particularly could come back in our current culture because there, there's a severe lack of. We we talk about tolerance a lot, which means hey, you do whatever you do, mm-hmm. yeah. But there's no patience attached to that. Yeah. If I disagree with you, mm-hmm. uh, I can think of people that. I I mean I know lots of people in the last year that have just totally dropped friendships Absolutely. over yeah over over stuff that they Political disagree stuff. on, over yes. po- politics or, or or any kind of thing, just all kinds of things, Mask yeah. that, that yes. I've, I've just dropped people over. it, And when you can engage in those kind of situations and really have, I mean, you do disagree. I don't mean you don't sure. disagree, but you're patient with the person, which yeah. means, hey, I still love you. Yep. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I do think you're wrong, yeah. but I still love you and i'm not going to cut you off and i'm not going to be angry every time i see you
2: well uh, you know i think when you that
1: that that's a pondering thing in our culture these days in fact i just had a conversation with somebody i i was i think i was misunderstood in a situation and people sort of jumped on it and uh, somebody else defended and this one person said this is the reason i don't do these kind of things because i can't do it as patiently as you do hmm. and i thought huh
2: well, you know, I think the term that um, Dallas Willard, who we love to quote a lot, often used, and I I don't think he used it for patience, but I think it applies to what we're talking about with patience, is he would often say, gentle non-cooperation with evil, that we often think, I have to destroy evil, that when I see evil, I got to mm-hmm. go at it, grapple it, and hold it. He, his thing was always, just gently non-cooperate with evil, that if that... And I remember hearing John Ortberg, who's a pastor, who's a friend of Dallas, say that sin is very fragile in that way. That often all it takes is one person choosing not to cooperate with sin. And the example he used was gossip. He said no one ever gossiped around Dallas because he made sin not fun. That when you would come and want to gossip with him, he would listen to everything you say and just go, oh, okay, he wouldn't lean in. He wouldn't mm-hmm. seem interested. And gossip is only fun because of the judgment other people yeah. exhibit back, and you're now the highlight because you have this piece of information that someone's – and that all Dallas would – he wouldn't even say, you're wrong. You shouldn't do that. You, That's not what Jesus would have you do. He'd sit, listen, and say, Okay. And then he would go eventually people just stop doing it. And he said, sin's rather fragile that way. All it takes is one person choosing not to cooperate. And so even in these examples you're talking about where someone may be doing something wrong, I'm not saying that we shouldn't call sin sin in that. No. But there is a level to sometimes all my job is just to not cooperate. That if I just don't cooperate, mm. I'm 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 allowing I'm allowing the kingdom to come through in a very patient gentle way. And and I think there, it's just a different
0: thing. And there is a sense and I've, it's become one of my biggest problems with our Christian culture these days. There's this sense of when I when I take on that posture of a crusader that I must stamp out evil and mm-hmm. it's my job to and go in and do that there is a sense where you get you get in that fight so deeply that you actually do the opposite of what yes. you're going to do. You you not only don't defeat the evil, you, you tend to make it stronger, more potent, and the negative side of that is you come out the other side and you've actually done harm to the kingdom Yes, because of the way that you've gone about it. And and, I, and what you just said is perfect. You know, the, the, the whole thing of just patient non-cooperation mm-hmm. is typically the better solution for that kind of thing. Yeah,
1: well, and if you need to say something to the person... There is a way to say it without embarrassing them, which would be one-on-one, sure, offline. Yeah, you know, not where you, not
0: where people can see. Oh, he did stand up. Oh, they. Yeah, and know. and not in a, in such a way that it that it 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 brings out pride in the other person because that's what I often happen. That's yeah, if I, if I call somebody out in a non non uh, gentle way in public. I've just invited their pride to rise yep. up and to fight back.
1: Well, and it's my, it's my pride too. My I get pride to stand too. up and that's right. other people will tell me how right, right I am. Right. It's, all, it's all that ugliness that's in me as well. And yeah.
0: I
2: think the patient part of it, and this is where I see the lack of patience, is the patient part is I don't have to convince you that we, we often think that that the non-cooperation may be, because this is where I think people get of, so you're saying just don't say anything. No, Mm-mm. say, Jesus often said things, but you see it all over, read the Gospels, like Mm-mm. we do in discipleship over here. Jesus often just said things, and then people would go, you know, and they'd go, and then he'd be done. He's yeah. like, I said what I needed to say. I have, I have. A, we know, I have a brother who often says, I have said what I have said. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what he said. I've yeah. said what I've said. I don't have to explain it to you. <laughs> I don't have to do anything else i have said what and i think that's even non-cooperative because what you're talking about is there's a way where i come in and go hey that's wrong and that that's just speaking the truth and holding Mm -hmm. a mirror up but then there's a level they go well i don't think so and you go well now by the end of this conversation you better be on my side Mm -hmm. well that's a lack of patience because all of us know man the change in my life even change of belief is slow Mm -hmm. and it and it and it and it happens and the grace of God is that God is gentle with me the whole way. If, if, if the moment I got baptized or the moment I chose to follow Jesus, I had to be where I'm at now or where I'm going to be in 30 years, it would have never happened. It's, right, that's right. I, I don't yes. know who the old theologian is, but it's the thing of thank, thankfully God lets me surrender to him on deposit, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I get to make little deposits of how I yes. surrender to God. Because, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just little bits at a time because I just don't know. Yep.
0: Wow. That went in a direction I didn't plan, but that was a good discussion, guys. All right, so here's what I've got uh, for the rest of our time today. Um, And I teased this a little bit last week on the podcast, but uh, we have three questions that were sent in to us. And by the way, if... uh, you wonder, how do we get these questions? Right into the description of this video or the podcast, if you're listening on a podcast app, um, is a link where you can go to and send us questions. And so we'll answer those when we can. I'm going to be them.
2: really rude right now. I have to go get another drink. My mouth is so dry. From well, that, no. <laughs> go. That so I'm about, y'all start without me. Hurry. No, come we on. will. All
0: right. He'll be back. Um, so we're going to start with the first question. All right. So um, someone wrote us uh, this question, and uh, Ed, you and I will start, and Nathan will be back. Um, their question was this: Someone recently asked me, "What is the Bible?" So I'm going to ask you. Evidently, they didn't have an answer to that question. What is the Bible? Now that's a broad question, and I'm not sure exactly where to start. So, yeah, I he, wish I was talking to the person I, to get I exactly. Too.
1: I would say, so what are you asking? It's it's. So I have a thing I'm saying now. It's not original to me, but it's yeah. become a part of my vernacular. In fact, I think I said it. At least in the on site gathering sunday uh the Bible is <laughs> the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus, and I steal that from uh the guys at the Bible project. That's the mm. way they say it, and I love that because that's right. Mm-hmm. It's a unified story that leads to Jesus, but everything in the Bible isn't written about Jesus, but it does lead us to Jesus. So, and then if you want to know beyond that, it's 66 individual books mm-hmm. written by, I forget how many authors. I used to know this by heart. Yeah, the number. The I don't number remember of the number authors either. Written over thousands of years. Um, we believe as a church under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but... That when I say that, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit overpowered their humanness. Yes. Right. Their human personality still comes through, mm-hmm. and their cultural per- personality is mm-hmm. still coming through in all of the writing. Mm-hmm. So it's a unified story in that you can find traces of it all the way through t- to the end that is pointing toward Jesus because God, it, it tells us, uh, knew from the foundation of the world... Uh, that Jesus was what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus was coming. That this mm-hmm. whole thing that he was crucified from the foundation of the world. So that's a that's one way to define what it the is. Bible is.
0: Yeah. And I, and I was thinking, uh, you know, it, when you when you approach the Bible, um, it, it's a different it's it's a different way to to describe it than I would say pretty much all the other holy books or texts yes that i almost exist said the same thing in the world because in, and it's a little bit about what you just described it it is not necessarily one person channeling words directly mm-hmm. from god onto pe- putting pen to paper and and it's one long continuous revelation. It is a gradual story played out over history right. of God's interaction with human beings. That's yeah.
1: exactly right. And well, so
0: therefore we're getting, and that's the thing that a lot of people get confused of is is they, and I'm trying to be delicate here, but the Bible is not all created equal in that. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to have to qualify that because it doesn't mean that it is any less God's Word, but it, there are parts of it that that need to be interpreted in its time and in its place, and there are other parts that, that have, is the right word, greater weight. for.
1: Well, and you have to, I think the important thing, and it's something that I wish I had known even as a young preacher, mm-hmm. that I've only, I know you guys are on this already, and I mm-hmm. wish I had known it at both of your ages, which I didn't. Um, all of it has to be interpreted in light of Jesus. Yes, which right. is what the apostles are constantly doing. Yes, it it drove me nuts when I was because you know I became a Christian in college and so I went immediately try to learn the Bible, and they would you know when I was learning the Bible it was always about me. You got to understand the context. Got to read it in context. Mm-hmm. Got to take the meaning in context. And it wasn't too long after getting that that I would go. Yeah, but the apostles are pulling verses out of context.
0: Right. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, it doesn't take much when you read through the New Testament and they quote something from the Old Testament, and then once you understand the Old Testament, they make it say something in the New Testament that is not what the Old Testament prophet meant when mm-hmm. he wrote it. That's right. right. But they are interpreting it in light of Jesus. Jesus. Yes, which is giving yes. us the ultimate way. I didn't understand this for a long time. Mm-hmm. I accepted that what I didn't mean think they were doing anything wrong,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but I didn't get they were giving me the right way to look at all of Scripture, which is I must I must see it through the lens of the ultimate revelation of God, which it's is not the, the Bible.
0: No, it it's is the Jesus. cross, and it's, and ultimately
1: the cross. It, it's the cross. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and I think I think when you think of it in that way, you know, there's the story. Of after Jesus' resurrection, in I believe it's Luke, the road to Emmaus story, where uh, there are two disciples of Jesus that are that are are walking along. They don't recognize Jesus when they see him. They sit down, and suddenly they they see him. And then later on in these stories, it says that Jesus revealed to them how everything that had been written pointed to him. And so when you see the apostles for like you're talking about ripping things out of context, what they're actually doing is putting things in their proper context that they saw. Oh, all these things we memorized as kids and these stories we heard, they they, they show us something about Jesus or they show us something about how we failed to be like Jesus. Because, um, I was, we we sit down and we regularly just tell all all the stories of the Bibles to our kids, and we're just sitting telling them stories. And one day I'm telling them a story, and I believe it was maybe the 10 plagues or one of these stories where these horrible things happen to people. And at one point, one of my daughters go, that doesn't sound like something Jesus would do. And I said, that's a good question to have. I didn't answer the question, but I just said... That's a good question. You should keep thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Because that alone, for anybody who has, because I, I meet a lot of, once again, I've worked with youth for a long time. This is a pretty big thing for people. Of, there's things God does in the Old Testament that just don't look like Jesus. And yep. I always tell them, just keep running that track down. Yep. That's Don't don't get to the place that a lot of people get and go, well, then that means that it's all fictitious and all That's get right. made up because it's or not the same Or that they're two God.
1: different gods and right. God changed yeah. somehow. And you say God never changes. You no. Know,
2: that these stories, and I think this is a part, and you kind of hit on it, I think it's a big part for us to understand what the Bible's not. the The Bible is not a uh, morality tale. And mm-hmm. what I mean is, the Bible is not trying to point you to good morals. The Bible is trying to point you to Jesus, which is very different. Yes, because and I even remember as a kid, I just had this. As I'm teaching my kids, there are stories from the Old Testament and even of the New Testament that we try to pull. Okay, what's the moral? Like it's like it's an Aesop's fable. Like right. there's a moral at the end of this. So, you know the the moral of the story of. Ruth is, you just got to be good and kind to people, and not trying to reveal to me something about Jesus and the new kingdom Jesus is bringing that this is the way we should treat foreigners, and this is the way we should treat people who are on the outside of society, and this is because this is the way Jesus treated people. And it's different, it's different than just a moral of be good, be kind. Because, and this is just an aside to parents that I think is huge. Um, Based on what we're talking about now. Our world is soaked in Christian values, but not everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. And so if you make the entire point of being a Christian, being a good little girl and a good little boy, you will, they will lose their faith. And I don't, I mean, that may sound very drastic.
1: Well, the, what you'll find out is they never had any faith Yes. because they will see other people in their world that never went to church that had those same moral values and do them better than their parents do them.
2: Yes, and they eventually <laughs> will come to being good and being kind yes. and being patient, or even our world's definition of what love is. If you don't make the definition of love Jesus in the way Jesus acted and rooted in who he is— it's a, it's a huge deal. I believe it's actually the biggest part for many kids who grew up in church. When they go to college, it's not the intellectual things that get them. It's not even that they strayed and did some partying things. It most often is, and I hear this often, I met someone and they were a Buddhist or they were an atheist, and they were just a... They were, they they were, were good the best co-
1: person I mm-hmm. ever met. I've yeah. heard people say that, yes. and I go, they probably were. And...
2: Yeah. <laughs> I thought that Christians were just better than everyone else or that we were good. If you don't root it in, the reason these stories matter is because they tell us something about Jesus Mm -hmm. and that we are rooted into this family of God that is all the Old Testament and that is this nation of Israel— but many of the stories of the nation of Israel are look at how they messed it up oh they're hard <laughs> look at how they messed even the yeah. good one, even Moses even, even Joseph Joseph I just heard someone talk about yeah Joseph that these stories are actually pointing to no matter how well we were having this story, we t- we told the story of David and Bathsheba, which if you've never sat down with kids and actually tell them <laughs> what it means and what it actually gets to and wh- ha- the, the power dynamics in that relationship, that's tricky. But you get down to that with them and they talked about it and they said, but I thought he was a good guy. And I said, he wasn't. And that's the that's point. That's the point. The point is he was a man after God's own heart, even with all mm-hmm. of that, yeah. even with all of that. Those are a different way of looking at the stories. When you talk about it being a unified story that points to Jesus, that is unity. Mm-hmm. It just, But it isn't a moral tale.
0: Well, and, and any time that a person other than Jesus is, is held up to be higher than i think that's the point is we we see all of this stuff the thread that runs through the old testament and then even into the new and that's what makes jesus so amazingly attractive is when you see the contrast of all of that you know it it is that thing of these there is no one righteous Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and that's that's the whole point that's because if there were what's the Jesus story is devoid of any power. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yes. there is no reason for it. No, it doesn't make any so sense. So it is. It is like like you said that it is the 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 record of God's people. Yes. And God's rescue mission, which ultimately ends in Jesus. So that is a long answer to what is the Bible. I'm not sure that's exactly what the question. <laughs> is, yeah, I would. I just wanted. always
1: say to people, be very careful at looking for. A rule book for life, that's or a right, book right. that's going to answer every question, or if you can find an example of somebody that did something in the Bible that means that God's okay with it. There are a lot of things that happen in the Bible by people that God approves of. He does not approve of everything they do. Of course not. Which is why the story
2: which is why in discipleship we read the stories of Jesus over and the stories of Jesus. The teachings are part of his story, but the stories are important. Because if you get them into you and you go, well, I'm just supposed to live like this. So when I come across someone like a centurion who Jesus would have had to disagree with the centurion when he comes force. across because he goes, you're a part of an oppressive force. Mm-hmm. How do I respond to that guy? How do I respond to somebody? Who I has haven't powerful?
1: seen faith like this anyway. <laughs> he's, right. He's, he's and which, guy. And which had to be just confounding to all his people because yeah. they know that guy led a whole division of people and they were the ones crucifying all of their... Yes. They, they were killing people left and right and he was in charge of it. Yeah.
2: Yes. And so mm. the stories are—we we, we put too much value on uh, just intellectual knowledge. The stories are, are just absolutely critical.
0: Mm. Okay. Question number two, and this is a, another what-is question, of, of, an often-thrown-around term around church. Uh, big, broad question, so we'll see if we can narrow it down. Question number two is, what is worship? That's a word we use a lot. We sure. stand up on Sundays, uh, you know, in our in-person services, or whenever, mainly whenever music is played, and we say we're going to worship. And I, it, I've often kind of hesitated when even I say that, oh, because yeah. I get that when I say the, that phrase, that's not exactly mm-hmm. the right way to use that phrase. So let's 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 try and hone that in. What exactly it are we talking about when we use the word worship? I'll say this
1: and I'm not going to answer. I just uh, yet, I'll let y'all start on that okay. and I'll come back, but I love the fact that in the last I don't know, I don't know how long it's been now in our, in our gatherings online and in on site, um our little call to worship, we read a verse of scripture mm-hmm. that says this is your true act of worship. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with singing. Nothing. Right. Nor <laughs> praying.
0: No. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a key little that's a key little clue for us. And that verse says, "Your true act of worship is giving your body yes. as a sacrifice." That's right. right. Now, of course, we don't mean literally. That's right. <laughs> but it is it, it it points back to not just a, a a ritual that you perform. It is a lifestyle that you live.
1: Yeah. Right. So worship, as its core, if I just wanted to find it outside of Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, I forget who again, some theologian, and uh, all of us are worshiping all the time something. Mm -hmm. We human beings, uh, we can't help it. When you watch a group of people like me at a Braves game when Ronald Acuna hits a grand slam and we go ahead, and I go, what, Ronald Acuna Jr.? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a little act of worship. I'm in awe a little bit that he has the ability to do something I can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, that he's done accomplished something that I think is awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a little act of worship. Now we wouldn't say that,
0: no. But that's what is actually happening. It's placing worth on on onto this. something or someone. That's right. Yes. And recognizing it as. Higher than me that's right, greater than me, more yeah. valuable than me yeah. and it's worth my attention it's yeah. worth my devotion it's worth me yep. uh, S- and submitting myself yeah I submit myself to that to for it. for a moment or for you know yeah I think
2: that's I think that's the the critical part of it too is the submission part I think mm-hmm. um, when you think of what worship is, it is you submitting often even to things that you naturally wouldn't do because I even think about it, and I think that's a good example of. Going, There are things you do when you go to a Braves game that you don't do when you're by yourself. That's Uh, right. Because naturally you wouldn't. But suddenly, all of a sudden, you're standing up in the middle and you're screaming and you're joining in. And I've seen grown men hug strangers who are grown men at (laughs) baseball games. It's not even
1: odd. No. No. It's not odd. I I can remember being at a playoff game with the two of you Mm -hmm. and some other people, and uh, we are slapping hands with people yeah. around yep. us we're people excited we and we didn't win <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> but uh, we at a time we were pretty excited
2: but yes. i think that submission part is huge because i what i would add only to it is you talk about it's it's ascribing worth to something right I'm, I'm saying this has value right but also the submission part says and i allow this to direct my life right i allow this to be the you know, in like technical terms, the operating system by which determines everything, because that's what Paul gets to when he says, he's off, he's "In light of all of God's done, in light of His mercy, right, offer your bodies." And when he, in some translations, say, "Offer your lives," right? Yes. It's your yes. your entire being. Let let everything in your life be directed by what Jesus has done, by what He has accomplished, by His example. That's a true and proper act of worship. That everything, and so. When I come with the church and I'm, I'm, I'm in a community like this, when we sing praise, I, I submit myself to yeah. that process because I go, this is in this environment. That's the way that th- this operates. I see people who never sing. Honestly, that's the most motivating part to me. I know there are people who just love music and yeah. they're going to sing even if they don't that's know right. the words. But there are, there are grown men that I see won't smile at you when they walk into church, but they open openly sing and there's this level of, and it's not just, because I know these guys, this is not, well, that's what everyone does, and I don't want to be the oddball. It's a, I, I'm moved by this, and not emotionally moved. I'm I'm submitted to this is this is what's going to direct my yeah,
1: energy. I, I had a little bit of the experience Sunday, and I always think about uh, my old friend, Rich Mullins, who used to say he loved going to church because it's the only place he could hear grown men grown sing, men sing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and... I'm sitting. I'm. I'm the speaker this past week, and I'm sitting up front, and there are only men around me, that, mm-hmm. in our socially distanced thing that are close mm-hmm. by. And you all know I sing really loud, but there were two guys that were singing equally loud to me, and not and not well, <laughs> but full on. And I had never sat close to one of them, and it just it was incredibly encouraging to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, it was just incredibly encouraging to me that uh, we were all offering our devotion in, in song uh, at, yeah. at that moment. Mm.
2: And it, it goes to other areas, too. I mean, anything that you do, and Paul says this in another letter, that everything you do, whether in word or deed, you do it in the name of Jesus, which means in the to honor Jesus, to do it in such a way that people... I like the Thanksgiving conference that people look at and go, no one acts like that, which is the response people had with Jesus all the time. Mm-hmm. And that they look and they go, oh, that, that's a that's a little picture of Jesus. Or the word, word, word Christian originally meant little Christ. That's a that's a little picture of Jesus. Even if they can't, they don't have that language. That That's an act of worship.
1: That, you know, generosity. So when I give, you know, when I... I was just thinking the same thing about Christmas in Coweta. Right. That I... It is an act of worship for me every year mm-hmm. uh, when we collectively do what I could never do alone, yeah. and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm amazed what the body of Christ comes together and do. And as I said, Sunday, we do become a little more godlike when we give without knowing, you know, there's that thing in all of us, I want to make sure they really deserve it, and they really, you know, and all that kind of thing. Well, that's not the way God treats us. No. Right. God's not looking to go that we deserve it because we don't. Mm. He just pours out grace on people, and that's what this does for me every single year when we yes. collectively do that, just to be generous, mm. just to be generous. Yeah.
0: It's an act of worship. Yeah. And to be fair, I, I, you know, I know in our modern-day Christian, um, at least our modern Christian subculture, <laughs> worship has become s- synonymous with singing it has. or music. And, and I don't want to just throw that out completely no, no. No, because not. What, what you guys just described in that coming together, that corporate moment of singing together, if I have been giving my true act of worship all week long, yeah. when I come together with the body of Christ and we take these words that are the truth, they are, and, and we sing them out loud, right? it, it is bringing all of that Together into a moment that that can be highly emotional and highly uplifting and encouraging, and and then hopefully it spurs me on to, to then go, go back, back and out. do the other thing exactly, and to do it all again, so that when we come and it, so it is a part of worship. Sure, it's just I I I I, it, I don't want us to. To shortchange that, no. but at the same time not make it the whole thing because we've also done that as well. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. That we just worship well that means sing,
0: but not necessarily
1: in our way of saying well, the church's way there is corporate worship where the whole body of Christ in a location comes together. And again, corporately we do what we can't do alone. We say words together, and sometimes when I'm singing I don't feel the words no. but as I sing them with other people I'm reminded they are true. Oh yeah. And I couldn't have said those words as well as the songwriter said them but when I hear other people singing them even though I know they they can't really sing that well but they're <laughs> singing them full out there's something beautiful about it that reminds me God takes the beautiful and the plain And the bad, and he mixes it together and reminds me of the truth that he's at work and that he deserves my full devotion and that these people are walking with me. And that gives me the power to go back out during the week by myself and in those moments where, uh, you know, you have that moment where you could love
0: somebody. Uh, but I'll, you don't yeah. really want to,
1: sure. But you do it because you know that's what God would do in that moment, mm-hmm. and you want to be devoted to Him.
0: And there's always a and it always reminds me of a moment that I had right here among our community when you know, like you said, I came in to a gathering. I wasn't feeling any of the words that I was singing, personally. Right. And yet, in the midst of this song that we were singing, it was a, it was a song we sang several years back. Uh, it was one of those songs that. Just described how horrible life can be, and how much of a struggle life can be, but yet the the point of the song was yet i 'll still praise you, no right. matter what and we get to that part of the song, and my 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 gaze just sort of moved across the crowd, and I caught the eye of somebody in the crowd that I knew she i think this she was going through some type of illness or some some tragedy in her life. She had her arms raised, her eyes closed, and she is just belting out this song and i and it, it reminded me, oh yeah, that's the truth. And it was because of knowing who she was, being in that corporate gathering where there's community there, we are a, a shared story. That the reality of who we are and what we are to do in, in in our relationship with Christ became super apparent to me in that moment. And it did that very thing. But yes. you, it was, And
2: don't you think part of that too, though, goes back to the part that we're talking about of being submitted to the body um, because here's what I want to get to is I don't know who asked this question and maybe because I thought about this as we're talking about this maybe you attend online and so everything we just talked about is not happening for you
1: right Mm. coming
2: together hearing other people singing seeing other people singing and what I want to say is that is our experience because that has been our cultural church experience that's right but what you can often see from the Bible is the idea of corporate singing may not have been what they had in mind. It may have been one person singing a song and you listening to that person sing a song. And I often hear this um, from people who are, Joining in online who say "You know the thing I miss most is the singing, and there 's really no way to translate that on uh, on the screen and so I kind of want you just to know for from people who work on the other side of what we 're doing uh, from that experience we 're trying to create a different cultural expression of worship which is which is um, native to an internet culture because I think it's hard for us to understand. Even though you live in America, when you're worshiping online, you're not in American culture. You're in the internet culture. Are sort of the world. You are. Yeah. It's, it's a different. It's a different culture altogether. And so, um, the way that we we really have tried to design it is so that um, you listening to. And if you want to sing, I think that's great. I'm not sing if you can. But I know many people. Most people I have talked to who watch online are not singing in their homes because they're either watching by themselves or they're watching. And their, their speakers don't get as loud as our speakers here. They're like, I don't want my wife to hear how I sound when I sing. And so they're just listening and taking it in. But if you would submit yourself to that culture and say, I'm really going to focus on the images. We often bring different images in. I'm going to allow that to move me. Because once again, what worship is, is me lifting my eyes and ascribing worth to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so if anything moves me in that way, and what really changed my mind on that was, I've talked about this before, but I do this book of prayer in the morning. And this book of prayer in particular is designed that it's not one denomination. It's, it's over all different kind of traditions. They have songs in it. Some of them are not in English, so I have to look up the translation but I listened to them. Some of them, so there's ones I, I didn't grow up singing hymns. A lot of them are old hymns that I had never heard. A lot of them are black gospel songs that I'd never heard of before. And so if I'm honest, they do not emotionally move me because right. so much of music is cultural. It's what moves me from something that I, I have memories and nostalgia. And attached. we all
1: are, have enough musical ability that we know. <laughs> there's certain things I can do with chords To evoke emotion, no matter what words I'm singing. Right.
2: (laughs) But when I submit myself to, there are other believers around the world listening to this song and singing this song today. It unifies me, though I'm not in the room with them. And the experience that Jason talked about, where he personally knew someone... I allow myself to imagine there's someone who needs to hear this song today, Mm -hmm. and I don't know them, but they're my brother or sister in Christ. And when I submit myself to that, to the global church, to global set of believers, plus uh, I'm I'm letting that direct my eyes to Jesus, and those are stories of his faithfulness even though I don't know them. God was faithful Mm -hmm. to this person. I don't even know. I don't know their story, but I trust he was Mm. That's worship in and of itself. So I just think that even when yep. what we're, we're talking about for people who are worshiping online, I do think for, for many people, they, they have this feeling of, well, this is less than, and I can't wait till I get back. Mm. I think what we're doing online is equally as powerful, equally as much worship, equally um, as much the church as anything that we do on site. And I just, I hope that that brings you a little encouragement on that. And maybe change, a, changes the way you see it, so it can help you direct your eyes towards Jesus. Well, and I would
1: say this, and uh, I believe that it could be because it's so culturally different that if you go into it with, I am doing this because I love Jesus. Right. And this is what my current culture requires of me. Mm -hmm. I have to stay in or whatever, That devotion itself is worship. Is worship. And it's more worship than people who say, oh, I can come in person, and I've always come in person, and I'm going to get to see my friends.
2: Right. Yeah, there's a
1: level. And I think about people in
2: our church that we know who are uh, of an older generation who come in. There's one person I'm thinking of in particular who I know does and They're currently not coming because of everything going on. But I know they did not like the music we chose. But they sang full voice as loud as they could. Every Sunday when I did, I, I, I often, they would often go, I didn't really like that song, but I'm glad you sang it. And I, I always remember thinking... I'm very, I'm, I'm, I am I'm always look at that and go, man, what level of devotion that you wouldn't like it, but you would give your full voice in singing it? And mm-hmm. s- once again, submitting myself to, someone needs to hear this song today. There's a wonderful yeah. old
1: lady that used to attend here. She's gone to be with the Lord now. And Miss Dorothy, who yeah. both oh, of y'all yes, remember. Yes. She called I can, me Elvis. I, that's what I was oh, just about wow. to say. I can remember when you were first starting to worship lead adults and you would be on stage, she would say, he's like elvis to me and she was so much older i mean she yeah. but she gave her and of a different culture she wasn't mm-hmm. even from the united states originally right. she gave herself to the cultural expression because she dearly loved oh jesus yes. yes she did and uh she's she was always just an inspiration to me in that yes.
0: way i agree wow all right last question number three And this is a specific verse uh, that's in Matthew chapter 5. It's actually the last verse in that uh, chapter. Jesus says in that verse, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the question writer says, Well, I hear you guys say all the time that nobody's perfect, no perfect people allowed. So what's up with that verse? Because it sounds, and and I get get it, it sounds a little bit like a contradiction. So what's up with that What's up with That's that? What's up with that? Ooh-wee. Ooh, ooh, all right. So let's put that into perspective. What is Jesus? Uh, does he really mean? For those of you who didn't know, that was a little reference to Kenan Thompson. Right? Plus, <laughs> a little SNL. I like that sketch. Bro. I do, That's too. A great That's It's one of my a favorite things.
2: Jason is just does the running man the entire time. <laughs> the,
0: the guy in the tracksuit. Yeah, they always uh, have
2: yeah. Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah. Never <laughs> they never good. have time for Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, right. Back to the question. Matthew 5, be perfect, therefore, is your heavenly Father is perfect? Uh, is Jesus serious about that? Does he mean what he's saying? Is that Jesus is completely serious about everything he says? About say, yes, he, he is, is. is. That's always what we, serious I, about I, what I set you up. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I want to
1: always do. start with. Is Jesus is always completely serious? But you should make sure you understand what yeah. he says. That's right. So. I just,
2: I think, I think it's just important to say when it, it's. As I used to always say to my students, I hate the English language. None of us should speak it because we use one word to mean seven different things. And that I think that's probably one of the biggest problems here is when we hear perfect, we mean maybe without mistakes. With no
0: flaws. With
2: no flaws. I've never done anything wrong. I've never I'm messed looking, anything up. I'm looking
1: up. the passage up because I, I have a question in my mind. Y'all keep
0: talking. I'm I've sorry. got it right here if you want me to... Yeah, no,
2: but okay. in this sense, the, the word perfect... Uh, is talking more about complete and... uh,
1: We're going to do a whole series on that. Yeah,
2: wholeness and that. And so when you talk about without flaw, it means without missing anything, that Mm -hmm. you have everything that you need. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's more... And it's in reference to everything Jesus has said and is about to say in his sermon.
0: Yeah, it it comes right in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. And what
1: I I was thinking that was
0: right. What is right... it's the, in the, it's the end of the love your enemies passage. That's what I thought. That's what I so, thought. yeah, that's the context that you'll find it in. I mean, he just got finished saying, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, In that way you're going to be acting as true children of your father. And then he talks about, you know, that passage, God sends sunlight and rain on everybody. He's yeah. just generous to them all. And then, you know, that that whole thing. So And then he just ends that. He says, so if you're kind only to your friends, how different are you from anyone else? Even the pagans do that but you are to be perfect even as your heavenly father. Yeah,
1: perfect. so if you hear it as whole and in terms of, so he just said God loves everybody. That's basically what he just said, yes. good and bad. God. So you should pray for your enemies because that's what God would do. God, God is trying to bless even the worst person God is blessing. Mm-hmm. And so he's completely holy, one thing. God is love. He's completely holy, one thing. And if we could get in our mind that at least in that context, he's not talking about moral perfection. He's talking about having a wholeness on this thing of love. Mm-hmm. That's, he's talking about being wholly focused on this one thing. And the good thing about having one pure goal is you know when you don't hit it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, yep. well, if you make it a mixture of stuff, you can make anything okay. And I've often heard this explained as well, and it really helped make sense to me is, even if Jesus did mean shoot for perfection, right. And we all know that perfection is not something that I'm probably ever going to attain to. We do this in every other area of mm-hmm. life. I mean, I, I know, for example, uh, musicians who work their entire lives devoted to an instrument, right. in search of what you might call perfection. Right. Do they ever reach it? Absolutely not. But the passion and the drive that keeps them headed in that direction never wavers, and they never stop because they're so devoted to this passion that they have. Same thing here. Exactly right. If my passion is completely focused on this life that Jesus says is is possible and is available to me in the kingdom, then I never tire of, even if I'm never going to be, quote, unquote, Perfect, I don't ever lose sight of that because it's it's like an athlete training myself. I mean right. I, I I wanna be because of my love of this this goal that I have or this life that I have, I never stop because I'm I'm just so passionate about it.
2: Well and when you talk about in context of the Sermon on Night, you talk about the love of your enemies comes before that, and then before that is uh, divorce and adultery yeah. and all these different things. All of that is in the context of Jesus saying another very difficult thing, which he says that your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. I mm-hmm. believe he's bookending those oh, sections uh, he here. Is. Mm-hmm. What he's saying he is. is the righteousness of the Pharisees, because we often see the Pharisees as the bad guy. But, you know, the Pharisees, one thing they had is they did want to do the right thing. They Mm -hmm. were trying to do the, but they thought what the right thing was, was don't murder. Mm -hmm. And as long as you don't murder, you got it good. And don't commit adultery. Don't Mm -hmm. sleep around with somebody who's not your spouse. You got it. You're Mm -hmm. fine. You know, oaths are in there. Just just don't break an oath, but do whatever. And Mm -hmm. Jesus comes in all these things. And those are the famous, you have heard it was said, but I say this. Mm -hmm. And what he's getting to is the righteousness that you should be the perfection the wholeness yes. is is that the outward life and the inward life would line up that and i i was just listening to dallas willard talk about this i mean it was an old recording, but he, he was talking about this idea that the reason, for many people, the reason you haven't killed anybody was you didn't think you could get away with it. Oh, that, and, mm. and that the reason, or he got, he got even more, he said, the truth is the reason many of us don't lie is we know I, I won't get away with it. And the moment that the opportunity to come to lie where I think I can get away with it, we do. Mm. So I'm not a good rule, I'm not a good rule keeper because I don't tell lies. I'm a good rule keeper when I have the opportunity to get away with it and I don't do it. And that that's what Jesus is getting to is the perfection is this wholeness that the person on the inside, it's not that you wouldn't commit adultery because someone might find out, but that you wouldn't even look at a woman with lust because mm-hmm. that's not even interesting to you anymore. That that becomes and that anger, calling someone an idiot's not even of interest to you anymore. Mm-hmm. So of course murder wouldn't be on the table. And so that's the kind of perfection and wholeness that we're coming to is a every part of my life you know love the lord your god with your heart soul mind every part of my life is centered on this one thing that i want to live like jesus
0: so
1: yeah i think that's that's good enough I think.
0: that is a that is a great answer. An answer all all said okay all right we're that's all i got we are we've gone way long Oh, have we? I'm sorry. Not way long, but longer than we should have. So we'll wrap it it's up It's a
2: double-stuffed Thanksgiving episode. We well, were, you know, the, the I brownies. I apologize, but
1: the truth is you could stop anytime. Yeah, you time might, you can. Stop it it's your start. fault for being here. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But the, the brownies were amazing, and we had to take time with those. because yes. and that was well worth every single bite. Thank you, yes, Michael. Yes, it was. Thank you, so, Michael. Thank you, right. Tammy. Yes. We'll see you guys next week.